teaching series. Um, this is for you because God said it's for you. This is the first series we're going to do off the, uh, off the uh, new year. And uh, let's just start off by me asking you, how are you feeling today? How are you feeling? Yeah? What if I told you it doesn't matter? It doesn't matter how you're feeling. Because our feelings are fickle. You know, um, the evangelist and you know, prophet and whatever, um, Smith Wigglesworth was asked one day, Smith, how are you feeling? And his response was, I don't ask Smith Wigglesworth how he feels. I tell Smith Wigglesworth how he feels. Amen. Amen. Our feelings are fickle. They, they change. I mean, l- l- let me just show you. How, how, and so often our feelings aren't even rooted in truth. I mean, what if someone came up to you and said that you're a family member, your family um, was, was traveling, and they, you just got a phone call and you found out that they hit a train, and a train just ran right through their car. What kind of feelings would that rise up inside you? And then they said that none of them survived. I mean, the feelings that would come up inside of you. Hope, or not hope, despair, hopelessness, right? Sadness, anxiety, all these, all these feelings would come rushing in. And then what if the person says, in the midst of you breaking down, in the midst of all that, they, the person says, I'm just joking. That never happened. All of a sudden, new feelings would come. Right? Feelings of anger, maybe? Rage? Punching someone in the nose? You know, you, you see that? You see how your feelings, your feelings can lie to you. Your feelings can deceive you. Feelings are of the flesh. They're of the mind. Right? They, they, they mind after the flesh, and, and a mind that's after the flesh leads to death. I mean, can you imagine the results of constantly being directed by your feelings and emotions? Can you imagine if you had a marriage, if you had a spouse that was constantly, constantly moved, your relationship was based on emotions, how they were feeling that day. I mean, think about it. When, when you're young or first dating, there's these feelings, right? There's these feelings that i got to be with this person and feelings of, you know, when you're not with them, of, of missing them and, and feelings of love and butterflies and all these feelings. But... 25 years later, those feelings aren't the same, are they? There's, there's more mature feelings. There's more deeper feelings. There's the feelings of commitment. There's the, the, the feelings of, of experiencing life together. There's the feelings of friendship and deep-rooted connection. Right? Can you imagine if, if I woke up one morning and I turned to a man and I said, you know what, I don't feel very... I don't feel very married today. <laughs> She'd make sure that I was feeling like I was married before I left. She'd knock me up upside the head. Right? It doesn't matter how you feel. 
And the same thing in your, in your finances. What happened if you, if you lived your life by feelings in your finances? Well, you would have a nice wardrobe, but you'd be broke. Right? You'd be driving a nice car, but things might not look so good in the bank account. If we were controlled by the way that we feel. Same thing in your job. I don't feel like going to work today. Well, let's see how that works. You know, have any of you had a friend that's always emotional? And that's your relationship with them? And the only, they call you, and it's always a crisis, it's always an issue, it's always, oh, the draining of that emotion, emotional relationships. Can you imagine if all of our relationships were based off, off of that, off our feelings? And how about our relationship with God? How about if, you know, you screw up, you kick the cat one day, and yeah say a curse word or whatever you, whatever is your list of sins I don't feel forgiven I don't feel saved I don't feel like God loves me do you know how many people live their lives feeling like God is disappointed and God does not love them We have a culture today that is being told that their feelings is truth. That their feelings and how they feel is their identity and who they are. And unfortunately, so much, what we see in culture, it starts creeping itself into the church. And we are a discipleship church. We need to disciple you. Not only for you to understand what your feelings and your emotions are all about, but also to be able to disciple others and spread the truth of who they truly are in Christ Jesus and who they were made to be in God. And that their feelings should not be controlling their life, but they should be controlling their feelings. So am I saying that emotions, am I saying that feelings, that they're evil? Am I, am I saying that uh, they're bad in some way? Well, they, they can be, but that's not what the Scriptures really teach. They don't teach that, that feelings are evil. God is our Creator, right? God created us. And He created us in His image. And He created us with our emotions. He created us with emotions. Actually, we were created in the image of God and throughout the Scriptures it shows that God Himself self, has emotions. First of all, it says that God is love. God is love and, God, and love involves an emotion tied to it. Right? It says, for God so loved the world that He gave. God so loved that emotion tied to that love caused Him to React. And what did he react? He react by sending Jesus to save us. Right? There are other places in Scripture where it says that God gets angry. There's other Scriptures that talk about God being a jealous God. We also read that God can be grieved. Right? 
I mean, when we, when we go back to the law and we, and, we, and we don't walk by grace, it says that we grieve the Holy Spirit. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. It also says that Jesus wept. And when the 72 came back and they said that even demons are substituting, it says that Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit. Literally, it means to jump and spin around. So our emotions bad. No, emotions aren't bad. Our feelings aren't bad. They're given to us. They are a blessing. God is not an emotional dead being. And neither should we be. Can you imagine life? Can you imagine your life without emotions? Without feeling? To, to never really feel love? To never experience joy? To never experience those awe-inspiring moments you know, where you're just captivated and filled with wonder. Those are the good things that God has given us. Would, would life even be worth living if you did not have feelings? Our emotions is what gives life spice. And this is interesting that God has even given us the ability to go back into our memories. Think about this. To go back into our mem- memories and grab an event and experience those feelings again and again. Isn't that awesome? You can, you can change how you feel just by remembering. And going back in time. Feelings are for our emotions. Our, our, our feelings and our emotions are for our enjoyment. But unfortunately, due to the fall, everything that God designed and made for our good, for our enjoyment, now can be used against us and can hurt us. And it can become idolatry. It can replace God as the center of our lives. Just like, just like the earth is, is, is revolves around the sun and everything stays in order, right? So too, we were designed to revolve around God. And when we stop revolving around God, chaos happens. And we can see that happening in our culture today. You can see it in individuals that you love that once walked close with God and, and chose idolatry and are revolving around something else and chaos enters the picture. It's not if it happens, it always always happens. And we were designed to, to revolve around God and God is designed to be the center of our life. And so many people commit idolatry in their, in their life because their emotions become their God. Their emotions control them rather than them controlling their emotions. They find their identity in how they feel rather than who God created them to be and what the Scriptures say about who they are in Christ Jesus. So even though emotions are intended to be a positive thing in our lives, when they're out of control, they can drive 
people to many different types and directions of death. Such as depression, anger, sexual perversion, unforgiveness, shame, guilt, and even suicide. It almost sounds like Jesus knew what he was talking about when he says that the thief comes only to rob, kill, and destroy. But the good news is, is that God and Jesus came to give us life. And, and that's what, he to, what Paul tells us in Philippians. He's, he gives us a key that we're going to start unwrapping these in the coming weeks. In Philippians 4.9 it says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true. That is so important. What is truth? We live in a culture that tries to tell you that there is no truth. The question I have for them is, well, is that true? Right? Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What have you been thinking about? What do people think about? Well, I think about what social media tells me to think about. Or TikTok. Listen to how, listen how the um, Passion Translation puts this. It says, Keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real, honorable and admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind. And fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising Him always. What would our life look like if this is, was our thought life? What would our life look like if this is how we were constantly thinking? Because we were designed and we are called to serve and worship God even with our emotions. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies. This is something that you have to do. God does not make you do this. This does not happen automatically. It says that you need to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. And the problem with living sacrifices is they have a tendency to always climb off the altar. See, religion tries to tell you that you need to kill yourself. And the Gospel tells us that no, don't kill yourself. You're already dead in Christ Jesus. You've been raised in new life in Him. I don't want you to die for me. I want you to live for me. I want you to live for me. You are a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to God. Why? So right, there's so much in this. You are holy and acceptable to God. It doesn't say make yourself holy. It doesn't say make yourself acceptable. It says that you already, in Christ Jesus, are holy and acceptable unto God. You are a new creation. God sees you in your spirit. And your spirit looks just like Jesus. So many people, well, I'm, I can't even be a living sacrifice because I'm not holy and I'm not acceptable. See, you're starting from the wrong position. 
You're trying to achieve something that you already have. And there's a great book called You Already Got It. Written on the picture of the book is a dog chasing its tail. That's how so many Christians live their life. Chasing their tail. Chasing something that God has already given them by His grace in Christ Jesus. You are holy. You are acceptable. Which is your spiritual worship. We worship God with our lives. You know, we had praise and worship today. That's just one aspect of of, of worshiping God. Your life is an act of worship unto God. And part of you, it says, present your body as a living sacrifice. And part of your body is your emotions. Your emotions are included in those things that we are to present to God. We are, we are to sacrifice our feelings so that, so that it represents our holiness in God and our acceptance in the Beloved. Look at what God told the Israelites in the Old Covenant. In the Old Covenant, in Deuteronomy 28, you guys are familiar with this, God talks about the blessings and the cursings. If you do this, I'll bless you. If, if you don't do this, I'll curse you. And the Israelites said, yeah, we can do that. They should have said, no, we'll take Abraham's covenant. You know, we'll just live by grace and favor. But no, they said, we can do that. Everything that you say, we can keep. And uh, there's many Christians today that say, yeah, I can keep the law. Yeah, how's that going? Well, anyways, in Deuteronomy 28, verse 45, it says, All these curses shall come upon you and pursue you and overtake you until you are destroyed because you did not obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep His commandments and His statutes that He commanded you. They shall be a sign and a wonder against you and your offspring forever. So when we read this, you know, the first thing that we start clicking in our minds is, is that it's our actions. It's our physical actions. It's, it's the sinful things that we do. Um, I, I was listening to a, to a uh, um, discussion through... Um, oh, I forget what... Through uh, Jordan Peterson. I don't know if you guys know, that, know who he is. But anyways, he had a discussion, a roundtable discussion on the book of Exodus. And... Um, Dennis Prager was on there too, and he was, and Dennis Prager is a Jew, and they were talking about these things, and and um, one of the things they got to the, they were talking about the Ten Commandments and they're talking about lust, and and uh, someone brought up, which was a Christian, brought up about Jesus saying that if you look at a woman with lust in your, in your heart, you've already committed adultery with her, and Dennis Prager said, oh, that's a very Christian thing to say. You can't commit sins with your mind. You can't commit sins with your heart. You actually have to do the act. And that's what Jews miss. That it's not the things that are external that, that corrupt us. It's what's internal that corrupts us. We need to be made new. We need to be made new. And, and many Christians, they read this and they, they think, they think, you know, I don't commit adultery and I've never killed nobody and, 
but they, with their thoughts inside them, they have. They have. The, re- the reason most people don't do the heinous acts that some people do is fear. Fear of punishment. If you want to see what the human, what, what, what fallen humanity is capable of, take all restraints off them, as, we're trying, as our culture is trying to do, Take a look at Adolf Hitler. Take a look at, at, at Mussolini. Take a look at these, these, these dictators that had all restraints taken off them. And it always leads to death. It always leads to brokenness and heartache. But, so when we read this, it's natural to think that it's our actions. But the very next scripture says, because you did not serve the Lord your God with joyfulness and gladness of heart. Because of the abundance of all things. When God blesses us, we, we take those things for granted. We take life for granted. We take, we take the, the pleasures of life for granted. And, and we get to a place where we're not joyful, we're not thankful, we're not, we're not glad for what the Lord has done in our lives. And it leads it leads to the downfall of our emotions. Because it goes on to say, therefore you shall serve your enemies whom the Lord will send against you in hunger and thirst and nakedness and lacking everything. And He will put a yoke of iron on your neck until He has destroyed you. Here Israel is commanded to serve God with their emotions. And if you don't serve God with your emotions, you will be a servant to your emotions. There are so many people that are led around by their emotions. There are people in bed this morning because they didn't, their emotions kept them there. If you do not serve God with your emotions, you'll be a servant to your emotions. So we can actually say that looking at these scriptures with a spiritual lens, um, when you don't serve God with your feelings, our feelings will become an enemy against us and bring us into bondage. When you do not serve God with your feelings, when, with your emotions, your emotions then become your enemy. What God gave us to be good, used for good and to experience life with, all of a sudden, when it gets out of order, becomes our enemy and destroys us. We are responsible for our, remo- uh, our emotions. There are some people that say, I, I just can't help the way I feel. Really, who told you that? Because we can choose how we feel. So many think that their circumstances dictate how they feel. When bad things happen, you should feel bad, right? Most people even feel justified for how they feel. I have a right to feel bad. And I throw myself a party. It's a pity party. We feel justified in that. The truth is is that in you is joy unspeakable. You are filled with the joy of the Lord. Why? Because you are a new creation in Christ Jesus and joy is part of the fruit of the Spirit. You have joy. 
The truth is that you are just a joy bomb looking to go somewhere and explode. You're filled with the joy of the Lord. You can be joyful in any kind of circumstance. You know, James, Jesus' crazy brother, right? Jesus' half-brother, he wrote to us that when you fall into all diverse temptations, when you're going through trials and tribulations, count it all joy. What a nut. If it wasn't Jesus' brother, I would say he didn't know what he was talking about. But Count it all joy. When Jesus went to the cross, the joy that was laid before Him. Wow. Wow. And we are responsible for our joy. Emotions are not a response. They are a choice. You remember when Jesus went to the cross? Jesus went, was getting ready to go to the cross and He's talking with His disciples and after the, the, uh, the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper and all these things and, and Jesus explained to them that one of them would betray Him, that He'd be taken away. right? And, and He told Peter that you're going to deny Me. I mean, these are all just... He's really building them up and encouraging them here. That they would take Him and that He would be killed. Right, and that they'd be scattered. The sheep would be scattered, and and um, he'd be left completely alone. And in the midst of all this, he finishes it by telling them what he says: "Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe God. You believe in God. Believe also in me. Do you understand that the disciples?" had their entire life devoted to Jesus being the Messiah, being King. They left businesses. They left family behind. They, left, they, 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 they entered into persecution and mockery. They, they, they left um, um, family members behind by devoting their life to Jesus as far as being... Um, Accepted in, in their family. They gave up everything, everything to follow Jesus. And Jesus is about to tell them that everything that you gave up and the reason why you gave it up is about to crumble. It's about to disappear. The disciples had no concept of Jesus dying. The disciples had no concept of Jesus resurrecting. And the disciples sure didn't have any concept of Jesus coming again. That'll change how you read your Bible. They they, they couldn't even accept. Jesus tried to tell Peter straight out that he was going to die. And Peter says, God forbid! And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. They could not accept this. They didn't understand it. They couldn't grasp it. Paul says that it was a mystery. And, and he literally says that if the spiritual forces, the demonic forces, understood what was going to happen through the cross, they would never have crucified Jesus. All of this is going through their minds and, and, and they're about to see the darkest day of their life. They're seeing the Messiah. Everyone, the one that they put all their hope into, that they dedicated their life to, He's about to be taken away, thrown in prison, 
scourged, and crucified. And what does Jesus tell them? Do not let your hearts be troubled. Most of you can't even turn on the news without letting your hearts be troubled. Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. And it would be wrong. It would be wrong for Jesus to tell them to do something that they couldn't do. That they couldn't choose to do. I mean, does Jesus know what He's talking about? I mean, when it looks like all hell is manifesting on earth, we have the ability to walk by faith in what God has said despite what our senses are saying. We are a triune being. We are created in the image of God. We are three in one. You have a spirit. Or you are a spirit, excuse me. You are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. Isn't it interesting that the type and shadow in the Old Testament matches us perfectly? You have the temple of God that has the outer court, the inner court, and the holy of holies. And the Scripture says that God never desired to live in a house made by man. And it says that you now are what? The temple of the Holy Spirit. And God lives in you. Think about that. You are a triune spirit or being. And, and we, we are a spirit. We have a soul that lives in a body. And we live in a body. Your, your soul, the soulish part of you, is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And we are called to what? Renew our minds. We are to renew our minds. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, it says, But I say, walk in the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You're, being controlled by your emotions and your feelings is part of your flesh. When you are controlled by your emotions, when you're controlled by your feelings, you are being fleshy, carnal. And there's only one way to do that. You need to choose to walk by the Spirit. Walk in the truth of who you are in Christ Jesus. The choice is yours. In Psalms 118.24 it says, This is the day that the Lord has made. And I will be grumpy and complain about it. No, it says, we will rejoice and be glad in it. We will. Every, you know every single day is the day that the Lord has made? You have a choice to be glad and rejoice in it or not. The choice is yours. In John chapter 16, verse 33, it says, I have said, this is Jesus speaking, I have said these things to you that in me, in where? In Him, you may have peace. How many people need some peace in their life? In the world, you will have tribulation. See, a lot of people think that Jesus is, is making a promise here. That in the world, I promise you, you'll have tribulation. No, Jesus is making an observation. Thank God 
Jesus wasn't promising us tribulation. He's just saying, he's just saying an observation that in this fallen world you will have trouble. You will have tribu- tribulation. But in, you, but in him we have the ability to have peace. And he says, he says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. You, have, you can take heart. You can have peace in Jesus in the midst of tribulation. This is God's will for you. It's not your job. It's not your spouse. It's not your kids. It's not your finances. That's the issue. See, we think all these external things are the issue. We think that if, if, if those things can change, I'll be happy. I'll have joy. I'll have peace. We even say financial peace. <laughs> Those are the things that Satan uses to split up, to split us from what God intended us to be. He, he, he spins those, those, those things that we experience in life and get us to get our eyes on those things rather than on the truth that we have in Christ Jesus. Satan tells us that if we could change the external circumstances, then we'll feel better. We'll have emotion, emotional happiness. It's how, it's not, but that, the truth of the matter is, it's not what's happening externally, it's how you react to your circumstances. We need to react to our circumstances. How do you react to your circumstances? We don't embrace our circumstances, we we react to them in a godly manner. It's, it's not what's happening on the outside. It's what's happening on the inside. What's happening on the inside? Now, I'm not, dis, I'm not completely disregarding our circumstances. Because that's what Satan uses against us. Satan uses our circumstances constantly against us. He tries to keep you bound up in those negative emotions and feelings. But when God is your but when God when God is the God of your circumstances, your circumstances can always change. If you have God with you, who can be against you? Right? In Psalms 139, verse 8, it says, If I ascend into heaven, you are there. Now here's a profound statement. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. See, you think that you can escape from God? There's people that think they're escaping from God in hell. There's people that even teach that hell is the absence of God. Scripture says that He's there. I believe, well, the love of God and the fires of hell are one and the same thing. It's just how you experience it. If you love God, it's awesome. Right? If you love broccoli, it's great. But if you hate broccoli, it's terrible. Right? We need to awaken to the truth that whatever, wherever you are, and whatever you are going through, God is there. You need to realize that. That your experiences, your circumstances, that in the midst of them, God is there. What's your situation today? 
guess what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what your situation is. You might be going through hell, but God is with you. You just need to get your eyes off from your problem and get your eyes onto God. And I understand that's easier said than done, but, we, but you need to hear this truth so that you can awaken to these realities and start walking in them. This isn't something that you're just going to do overnight. Right? You don't, you, you don't live all your life constantly being controlled by your emotions and then wake up one day and you have no problems with your emotions whatsoever. This takes faith. This takes trust. This takes... We had a simple conversation over the, over the holidays and I, it just hit me so hard. And I don't, I don't know if the people around the table really got what, what God was saying to me, but he was talking about the, the, the sparrows of the air. How they don't reap, they don't toil, they don't... And he says, and not one of them can fall to the ground without your Heavenly Father noticing, knowing. And Jesus says, God said, are you not much more of value than they? See, it sounds so simple. We sing songs, his eyes are on the sparrow, right? But why is it so difficult to live that way? To understand that your heavenly Father loves you, his eyes are on you, and he desires to care for you. If we would just get out of the way, it just—it's simple, childlike faith, but in our adults' minds, we have such a hard time grasping it. We need to stop telling people our problems. Some some conversations I have with people—that's that's all it is. is Talking about their problems. We're constantly talking about our problems. We're constantly talking about the problems of our nation and politics and the economy and problems, problems, problems. It's time that the church starts standing up and using its God given authority to start talking, telling the problems about our God. We need to start seeing what God says about our problems. Read Psalms 2. It talks about the nations of the earth. They, they come together and they're to overthrow God. And it says that God sits in ha- heaven and laughs. He laughs. Some of us need to laugh more. Let's, let's do it right now. <laughs> See that? You're already feeling better. If God's laughing, why should you know? Tell you the truth, after Jesus rose from the dead, I don't believe God had a serious thought after that. He has redeemed the world. He is the. He is. 
He has victory. Everything is under His feet. We are His children. We are His offspring. We are heirs to the kingdom. And if He is laughing, we need to start laughing. You start doing that at work. You know, did you hear what's happening? Just start laughing. See how that goes over. Right? We need to stop talking about our problems. We need to start rehearsing the wonderful things that God has done for us. And if you can't come up with anything, which I think is a lie that, that God has done for you, steal someone else's testimony. Because God's not a respecter of persons. And guess what? If He's done it for them, He'll do it for you. You know, other people's testimonies is just is your testimony waiting to happen. Grab a hold of it by faith. You know, David, David told his soul to straighten up. Straighten up. All his men, they, everything was taken from them. All their, all their food, all their um, wealth, all their women, all their children, their families were taken from them. And all of his men were getting ready to stone them. And it says that David strengthened himself in the Lord. And in Psalms 43, listen to how, how David is talking here. Now David was a man after God's own heart. And it says... Why are you cast down, O my soul? Somebody, you need to talk to yourself. You need your spirit to speak to your mind and your body. David is saying, Why are you cast down, O my soul? See, this, 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 this morning you came in feeling one way, and guess what? You're going to go out feeling a different way. Why? Because you've had the Word of God at the center of your thought life. He says, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? And has anybody ever felt in turmoil? He says, hope in God! For I shall again praise Him, my salvation in my God. Listen to how the Amplified Version puts it. He says, Why are you cast down, O my inner self? And why should you moan over me and be disquieted within me? Hope in God and wait expectantly for Him. For I shall yet praise Him who is the help of my sad continence and my God. The message translation puts it this way. I want to make sure you guys get this. Why are you down in the dumps, dear soul? Maybe you need to write yourself a letter. Why are you crying the blues? Fix my eyes on God and soon I will be praising again. He puts a smile on my face. He is my God. And then what, the, the Passion Translation says, Then I will say to my soul, Don't be discouraged. Don't be disrupted. For I fully expect my Savior God to break through for me. Then I'll have plenty of reasons to praise Him all over again. Yes, He is my saving graces. 
You have the ability to dictate how you feel. We are to res- we are responsible for our emotions. We are responsible for how we feel. There's so many in our society today that say they can't help how they feel. That is not a biblical worldview. That is not the truth. There, 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 are, there are parents and grandparents. You, listen, this is a sickness in our culture. And sooner or later, it will come to your doorstep. Someone that you love. Someone that you care about. Someone that you want to see God's will being manifest in their life will come to you and they'll have a radical change in their life and they'll tie it to, this is how I feel. And we as Christians, the light of the world, need to have light that shines in the darkness and rescues people from the pit of hell. Because this will, take, this will bring chaos into a life like they've never experienced. It brings so much chaos that now we have 500 and something genders. Come on! And this is being taught in school. This, see, see, psychology is all about the removal of God. It's the psyche. It's only dealing with your mind. And the Bible says that you can't overcome the things of the mind with natural things. The only way that you can come over the things of the mind is through supernatural things. Through the Holy Spirit and the new creation of your spirit and the Word of God that is living and powerful. We are to serve God, not our feelings. We are to reign over our emotions and not be driven by them. Emotions and feelings are given to us to be enjoyed They are not given to us to be our master and they're definitely not given to us to enslave us. Amen? Amen. Let's stand up. Before we worship, let's just declare some stuff over our life. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisntc.org And remember, you are deeply loved, highly favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.